she was commissioned as a captain, many uh, of her fellow officers really didn't see her as an officer. You know, women were not treated as equals in the French military at that time. Uh, even if you were a captain dealing with another captain, sometimes a male captain, uh, in Valerie's case, that male captain or higher ranking officer would just be very dismissive of her. My name is Charles Evans, and I'm the author of Helicopter Heroin, uh, the story of Valerie Andre, surgeon, rescue pilot, and her courage under fire published by Stackpole Books. The story of Valerie Andre is rather unique. She was a pioneer helicopter rescue pilot in Indochina during the French Indochina War. During her career in Indochina, she also served as a neurosurgeon at French military hospitals. But when the first helicopters were introduced for military uh, rescue in 1950, she volunteered for that service. And from 1951 to 1953, she was able to fly 128 rescue missions in the most dangerous combat areas imaginable, saving 168 lives. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Charles Morgan Evans, uniquely qualified, I would say, to uh, write about this topic. You were curator of the Hiller Aviation Museum in Northern California in the 1990s while you were working on a master's degree in history. Uh, Valerie Andre flew Hiller helicopters, right? That's correct. Uh, Stanley Hiller, I worked uh, directly for him. He was the founder of uh, Hiller Aircraft Company, one of the first companies to build helicopters in the U.S. It was kind of a unique experience for me. I was in my 20s at the time, working uh, on a master's degree at San Francisco State. The museum was located in Redwood City, about 25 miles south of San Francisco, but I lived in Redwood City at the time, so it was really convenient for me to... to uh, have this job, and uh, and it was a nerd's paradise, I guess you would, a history nerd's paradise. <laughs> we had 45 aircraft stacked from floor to ceiling in this in this uh, little warehouse in Redwood City at the time. When I started working for uh, the Hiller Museum was this the, these photos of uh, Valerie Andre. Uh, I didn't know who the woman was at the time, but she struck me as kind of interesting, so I asked Stanley Hiller to tell me the story of uh, this woman who uh, was uh, an early pilot of uh, some of his helicopters. Now, they don't, did they make these helicopters anymore, and is Mr. Hiller still alive? No, Mr. Hiller died in 2003. Uh, the uh, helicopters are out of production now. They had a long lifespan. They're still used uh, around the world in light aviation. A lot of them are used in crop dusting, as a matter of fact. In their early days, they're called utility helicopters. They were just basically used for anything, uh, from um, surveying land, uh, from uh, transporting people from one place to the other and, well, for medical rescue. Mm. Uh, they're very similar to the Bell 47, uh, the helicopter you might be familiar with if you watch the opening scenes of the MASH television program. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because unlike Vietnam, when the helicopters became gunships and, and so forth, the helicopters that Valerie Andre flew for the French were more, uh, I think the word I saw in your uh, some of your coverage was primitive. Uh, and the uh, patients, the, the ones, you know, the wounded soldiers she picked up, they were strapped to the sides of the helicopters. How did that work? Yeah, that's exactly how they were, Bob. They were what they called Stokes litters. They were, they were just basically stretchers uh, strapped to the side of some of the framing of the helicopter, but they were carried out of the helicopter. They had a fairing over them to keep them protected somewhat from the elements. 
but it was what I would call these helicopters was both primitive and fragile. They were mechanically temperamental. They could have issues at any moment. In fact, oftentimes they had to keep them running. So uh, their batteries, uh, they had batteries that sometimes wouldn't restart the aircraft if you shut it down mid-flight, you know, and that would be pretty dangerous if you're in an area where you needed to get out in a hurry. There's so many remarkable parts to this uh, story. Let me uh, spring forward to the present day. Valerie Andre is still alive. That's correct. She turned 100 uh, last year. Uh, she was born in 1922, April 21st, 1922. I was able to attend her 100th birthday celebration in Ici la Bologne, France, last year. And uh, it was, there was a ceremony held at the city hall. Uh, she came dressed in full uniform. Uh, she's, a, she's, also a, uh, she's also the first woman to be promoted to the rank of general in the French army. And let me ask you about her life story. How did she become interested in aviation? Uh, Valerie, uh, at the age of 10, she lived in Strasbourg, France. It's on the border of, between France and Germany, always kind of a contentious area uh, between the two countries and going back to the 19th century. She was able to meet a very famous female aviator in 1932 when she was only 10 years old, a woman named uh, Maurice Hiltz. And she was uh, significant because she was the first woman to fly from Paris to Saigon, Vietnam uh, the year previous. And so when she met this woman in 1932, Maurice Hilt, when Valerie Andre met Maurice Hilt, she was totally enamored with aviation after that. She collected magazines. Uh, she uh, saved money eventually to take lessons just, uh, just prior to the outbreak of World War II in 1939. Amelia Earhart was well known as a female aviator, maybe especially here in the United States. But obviously, there were other famous female pilots, including some in France. Oh, yeah. Amelia Earhart uh, being one. Uh, Pancho Barnes uh, was a very big aviator and, uh, in the 1930s, uh, air racer. And she was related, to, actually, to my character from War of the Aeronauts. She was the granddaughter of Thaddeus Lowe. That was, an, uh, you know, there, there was an American aviator. Uh, but the French had um, quite a few. Uh, Maurice Bastier was another one. Maurice Hiltz. You don't know, I mean, Amelia Earhart, of course, stands out as one of the, and she was also one of the inspirations uh, to Valerie Andre, that Maurice Hiltz was the inspiration for her in aviation. I mean, really seeing her come in, flying an aircraft, an airplane into the uh, Strasbourg Aerodrome in, uh, in 1932, uh, there's a photo of her uh, of actually handing her a bouquet of flowers, or having a bouquet of flowers in her hands. As a 10-year-old girl, you know, again, she was just so impressed with uh, this, this larger-than-life figure. It just basically, that was the thing that changed, that, that changed her life. That was, the, mm -hmm. that was a turning point in her life for certain, just that encounter. She also had so the please. goal of becoming a doctor even then, right? Right. That was her, uh, her second uh, passion, or her second main interest in life. By the time she was a teenager, she had set herself on a goal to pursue a medical career, and that also put her in conflict when uh, the Second World War broke out in 1939. What happened to her during the war? She was originally planned, planning to go to the University of Strasbourg. Uh, and uh, when uh, the uh, Germans occupied uh, France in 1940, that plan really went out the window. Uh, the the, uh, the whole region of uh, Alsace-Lorraine, uh, the area where Strasbourg is located, 
was considered a forbidden zone, and you could not leave. If you were a French citizen in that area, you could not leave to the so-called free part of France after uh, the occupation commenced in 1940. But what happened was that the university, faculty of the University of Strasbourg did leave and relocate it to uh, Clermont-Ferrand, uh, just south of the center of France. And uh, Valérie André, along with other students, really clandestinely took off to go to attend this university, this relocated university, totally against the uh, authorized, you know, totally against the uh, edict of the Germans at the time. But what happened was that uh, there was, uh, when she, uh, she almost uh, was arrested, and she could have been arrested at any time for actually leaving this part of uh, France, and uh, she basically had to live underground for the next four years until... France was liberated in 1944. Didn't she end up in Paris? Yes. Uh, that was after her university was raided in 1942. There were informants who t- uh, who actually uh, tipped the Gestapo, who was based in Clermont-Ferrand at the time, that uh, there were um, uh, members of the resistance, individuals who had uh, left Alsace-Lorraine uh, region, to attend this university, and also a lot of Jewish students. And what happened was uh, there was a raid on the university, and Valerie Andre narrowly escaped uh, being arrested that day. And so she had to flee, and she fled to Paris. And she was in Paris when uh, Paris was liberated. Right. Uh, That was the major thing. That was a major turning point in her life. Uh, she was there in Paris in 1944, August of 1944, when the Free French were the first to enter Paris during that liberation. She was actually there at the uh, plaza around uh, Notre Dame Saint Michel, where Charles de Gaulle actually gave the, his uh, famous speech uh, proclaiming the liberation of uh, Paris. And uh, after that, she was enamored with uh, the French military as well, the army. She referred to the uh, liberators of the French liberators of Paris. Of course, the Americans came in after the French, but she was uh, she re- she referred to them as modern day knights. Why did she go to Indochina? Her professors at the University of Paris. She went to the Sorbonne for uh, her medical degree. They actually recommended the service in uh, Indochina, which at the time. The French were, it was a colony of France. It was actually, Indochina is the region of uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. And the French were involved in a, uh, basically a war by this time, 1947, uh, with the uh, communist uh, Viet Minh led by Ho Chi Minh. France was trying to keep that as a colony. It was an econo- for a lot of economic reasons. But uh, her professors actually recommended that she volunteer for service in Vietnam because there was a, an acute shortage of doctors. And uh, there were a high number of casualties, so doctors were in great demand. And she's a surgeon, right? And she worked in hospitals in uh, Saigon and Hanoi, you write. Right. Uh, She started in Saigon, basically. Uh, And uh, what happened was that she was not trained as a surgeon initially when she went to Vietnam. Actually, uh, she was um, a, uh, because of her interest in aviation, she was classified as what they call a flight surgeon, someone who actually certifies pilots for uh, for uh, flight readiness. Hmm. So that was her specialty. Uh, when she got to Vietnam, however, that was not really a high demand area, and but surgeons were. So there were, uh, at this um, 
uh, hospital in Saigon, she uh, encountered a, uh, a doctor, and his name was Robert Carrion, and uh, he needed neurosurgeons. There was a high number of head trauma cases, obviously, uh, heads, uh, you know, from bullet wounds, shrapnel, shell wounds, etc. And so uh, he trained, he took it upon himself to train her as a neurosurgeon to uh, treat the, the tremendous number of head trauma cases that were coming in through this hospital. Was he the man that she married? No, no, that came later. Uh, that, uh, the man she married later was actually France's first medical rescue helicopter pilot, uh, Alexis Santini. How did uh, helicopters enter uh, Valerie's uh, life in Indochina? In 1950, the first helicopters came to, uh, one helicopter came to Vietnam to be demonstrated to the French uh, Air Force for use as a medical rescue uh, aircraft. Uh, they were using fixed-wing aircraft prior to this, but the way the war was fought by the French in Vietnam at that time was that there were a series of outposts, small garrisons that were located, scattered all throughout the country uh, to basically come, engage, combat the, the Viet Minh in the, in the field. These outposts, if you will, sometimes had maybe 30 to 40 men uh, or sometimes more. There were larger ones, but the, last, the smaller ones, which were the majority of these outposts, maybe had 30 or 40 men assigned to these places. And so it was not always possible to transport a wounded man to a, uh, to an airstrip to, uh, for a fixed-wing aircraft to take them back to um, either Saigon or Hanoi to a major hospital. So what happened was uh, someone had the idea to bring a helicopter in and... Uh, that's an uh, entire difference. Well, it's actually an interesting story on its own. It was an Englishman by the name of Alan Bristow who brought the first helicopter to uh, Vietnam for that purpose. He was trying to uh, make a sale for the Hiller distributor in Paris. The Air Force actually thought this was a good idea, that they could actually use this as a uh, service where you could actually just fly into a uh, remote outpost rather than having the outpost transport a soldier who might have been really grievously wounded uh, many miles and risk basically killing him, uh, taking him to a t- taking him to a airstrip. So what happened was that they thought that if you could fly in directly into a an outpost, uh, it would increase the survival chances for that individual to be brought back to a hospital for treatment. How did Valerie Andre convince the French authorities that she should be a pilot? With a lot of difficulty, actually. First of all, I had to overcome lots of prejudice, lots of chauvinism within the French military. She was, a, she was uh, commissioned as a captain, but many uh, of her fellow officers really didn't uh, see her as an officer. You know, women were not treated as equals uh, in the French military at that time. Uh, even if you were a captain dealing with another captain, sometimes uh, a male captain, uh, in Valerie's case, uh, that male captain or higher-ranking officer would just be very dismissive of her. So she had a lot of difficulty within that structure at that time, but what she did was she had tenacity. And she uh, was able to say to her superiors that, listen, I'm I'm medically trained, I'm a a doctor, I'm a surgeon, so I can actually treat the wounded at the scene, at the... the, uh, place where we load our patients into a into a helicopter and the other thing is i'm also very light i weigh less than 100 pounds and these helicopters at the time the hillers were not 
the greatest when it came to payload. They had a very limited payload capacity. And so any way you could save weight was a benefit that they would, it would extend the range, allow uh, um, a pilot to carry more weight. And so she said that, uh, that because of her light weight, these helicopters that were set up to, to just take two uh, wounded could potentially take up to three if, if one of the less wounded were to be put, mm-hmm. placed inside the cockpit. So she had a she had a very she had a uh, uh, a strategy of uh, if you will to convince her superiors that she was a perfect candidate to be a helicopter rescue pilot. These uh, Hiller helicopters she's using, I mean she's the she's everything in terms of crew. Or is there another crew member with her? No, not at all. Uh, as I said, there was such limited capacity; it was just enough for a pilot uh, to fly into one of these outposts and to load in the wounded and return back to a hospital in either Hanoi or Saigon. And the helicopter's not armed at all. I mean, there's no uh, defense system like that. She would come under attack, would she not, from the uh, Viet Minh on the ground? Absolutely. Uh, no, these helicopters were not armed. They, were, they had a red cross painted on them uh, in several places. Uh, but the Viet Minh did not always re- uh, recognize or respect the idea that it was a medical rescue ho- helicopter. In fact, uh, what would happen is that they would fire on the helicopter as soon as it came in within the perimeter of one of these outposts. Oftentimes, uh, the French Air Force would have to send in uh, Grumman uh, Bearcat uh, fighter planes to strafe the area and sometimes drop napalm to try to uh, around these outposts in order to... Uh, disperse uh, the Viet Minh from firing upon the helicopter during the landing and then the loading of patients and then the takeoff. How many missions did she fly? Oh, how many missions did she fly? She flew 128 missions uh, from 1951 to 1953. The uh, war in Indochina that the French uh, conducted came to an end, I believe, with the big battle of Dien Bien Thu. Was she involved in that battle? No, she wasn't involved in that battle. She went home to Paris by 1953. One of the pilots who served with her uh, and was a very good friend of hers uh, was uh, one of the pilots, and I write about his uh, story as well, a man named Henri Bartier, who was at the end been through uh, an attempt at a rescue there. And it, only, it turned into a tragic story about what happened to him at the end been through, uh, and the patient he tried to rescue. So I do cover, actually some of that as well in my book, uh, even though Valerie Andre did not make it to that, um, to that battle herself. After the French abandoned Indochina, did she continue as a medical pilot? Yes, uh, she actually did in Algeria when the French were involved with uh, the war in Algeria in um, late 1950s and early 60s. Uh, for a while, she worked as a, uh, as a physician, a medical consultant at a uh, at a test facility in France, uh, an experimental aviation test facility, and then but she wanted to get back into active service. So in the in 1958 or thereabouts, she started working on getting back into serving her country in a, in the war they were conducting in Algeria, and uh, it was again another war of nationalism. I mean. Indochina, the Vietnam War was a war of nationalism. The, 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 it was for independence for the Vietnamese people, and so the, and the Algerian War turned into the same kind of quagmire, if you will. But uh, Valerie Andre wanted to serve, 
And so she volunteered as a, um, both a medical rescue pilot and also a transport pilot and flew m- numerous missions with uh, larger helicopters by this time. They were Sikorsky S- S-55s. I'd brought up before her personal life. She'd married someone from, married another French person. Can you just tell us what, what happened there? Well, the first medical rescue pilot uh, that the Air Force, in, for the French Air Force, now Valerie was Army, and that was kind of an interesting thing as well. But uh, the Air Force was in Vietnam uh, during the French period, uh, operated the, um, the medical rescue helicopters. And uh, the first pilot that uh, they tapped for the service was uh, a man named uh, uh, Alexi Santini. And Santini was the one who organized the uh, medical rescue helicopter service in Indochina and later had influence also in, in um, the uh, medical rescue helicopters that were used in Algeria, too, but, uh, and, and also organized, later organized the first uh, military helicopter, mil- military hel- helicopter training school in France. But uh, they wound up being married in 1963 after, um, after many years after, after knowing each other, but uh, after their, both their respective service in Vietnam and uh, mm-hmm. Algeria had wound down. Did they have children? No. Well, no, that's not exactly true. Uh, Alexi Santini had uh, a son from a previous marriage. But Alexi has passed away. He died in 1998. Were they still married? Oh, of course. They yeah, lived together in isi la it's a suburb of Paris, in an apartment that they'd been in for over 50 years. Over the years, she became an advocate for women in the military? In the 1960s, uh, she, uh, Alexis Santini, her husband, retired in 1963, but she continued in service until 1982. And here's the interesting thing. She uh, made her way up the command rank, being promoted from captain to uh, major to cur- lieutenant colonel and then eventually colonel. In that period of time, in, this is in the 1960s, uh, she saw that there was quite a bit of bias in the medical in the French uh, military medical corps uh, when it came to recruiting women into that service. And so she, she became an advocate for uh, gender equality. What she was seeing was that the entrance exams, uh, for, for example, the um, male applicants would have lower scores on their on their entrance exam over uh, in comparison to women applicants, yet the male applicants would be accepted into the medical corps. So she started to make a case for that and went through actually the, the National Assembly in France. Uh, some, you know, the, the, the legislator that represented her district helped out quite a bit with this to start uh, a, uh, initiate a um, program, if you will, to equalize the number of applicants uh, that between male and women in the French military medical corps. In fact, uh, what they would wound up doing was a quota system at first, which still uh, had a, a bit of bias, a lot of bias to it. But what they were doing was trying to, what she tried to do was just to bring more women into the medical corps. We'll return to our story about helicopter pilot and Dr. Valerie Andre in just a moment. The Historian's Podcast depends on donations from our listeners. Please visit our website, bobcudmore.com, 
where we provide a link to our GoFundMe campaign, and you can give there uh, using your credit card or other electronic device. You can also give the old-fashioned way by writing a check to Bob Cudmore, mailing the check to 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. We're talking with uh, Charles Morgan Evans, who is author of a, a book uh, about Valerie Andre called Helicopter Heroine. Valerie Andre, surgeon, rescue pilot, and her courage under fire. As you've uh, you've said, Charles, she's still alive. What was it like to meet her for, for you who studied her life so intently? Oh, it was a tremendous honor for me to meet her. Uh, I did uh, my first encounter with her was back in 2002, and um, I was um, always taken by her graciousness and kindness to me. Uh, she's quite the character. Uh, we would talk quite a bit about actually her career, but like a lot of veterans, she wanted to talk about other people as well and other, you know, other aspects of things. Uh, she was always interested in, in that I was uh, that I worked for Stanley Hiller the, as curator of his museum because she had quite a bit of admiration for him, and obviously from that was where her aviation career started, flying his helicopters. But um, but she taught me a lot uh, over the years. I learned quite a bit about. Uh, um, this period of history in France and how it really related into uh, our history, the U.S. history and any involvement of Vietnam, uh, U.S. involvement in Vietnam in the 1960s. But to get back to Valerie Andre, uh, she's a rather unique individual and always has been, to me, um, a, a true hero in my life. I have here a line that says, You've been to France nine times. You saw her on those nine trips? or Always, yes. Well, uh, with the exception of 2020, when I was there at the beginning of the of the pandemic, that was um, uh, I was not able to see her at that time, and I had to cut my my trip to France short. She turns 101 on April 21st, and if everything, hopefully, God willing, uh, I will be able to see her again in April. What about helicopters in combat? As you say, uh, America was in Vietnam too, with different kinds of helicopters, more. Uh, more weapons than um, uh, Valerie's um, helicopters had no weapons, but the role of the helicopter changed. Well, the role of the helicopter actually changed in Algeria by 1957. Uh, The French were the first to actually heavily arm um, a helicopter. They actually built a prototype they called the, um, I think it was called the Mammoth, uh, that they basically armed a, uh, a Sikorsky S-55 to the teeth and used that as a, as a gunship and built several more Sikorsky helicopters for uh, combat use in Algeria in the late 1950s. They modified American Sikorsky helicopters. And that became sort of the prototype of what the U.S. did in Vietnam in the 1960s. You've had an interest in aviation. Let me just get this uh, point in. You uh, have a previous uh, book that you've written called The War of the Aeronauts. Uh, what was that? Uh, the War of the Aeronauts was published in 2002, again by Stackpole, and it was the story of, uh, of Thaddeus Lowe and uh, the uh, creation of the Union uh, Army Balloon Corps uh, during the American Civil War. Uh, Lowe took it upon himself to uh, uh, approach Abraham Lincoln personally, and uh, received authorization to 
create nine balloons that were used uh, for observation and uh, map making and spy work uh, during the uh, Virginia campaign in, in 1861 and 1862. Back to helicopters. I mean, you worked for the company that made some helicopters. You've done this book about it. You fly? I mean, are you a pilot? No, I'm not a pilot. Uh, just have an interest in uh, aviation and uh, transportation-related um, stories, and so I, I, I just like to find. Uh, it's just a coincidence, uh, I guess, that both uh, of my books are aviation-related. But I just like good stories, and it seems like the subject of aviation goes along with making making for colorful and interesting stories. Charles Morgan Evans is author of Helicopter Heroine, Valerie Andre surgeon, rescue pilot, and her courage under fire. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. The Historian's Podcast is available on bobcudmore.com, SoundCloud, Google, and now on Odyssey.